This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We are continuing our series today about accessing our inner child with the Enneagram Type 7. So as a reminder, I want to treat this almost like a bucket list of ideas that you can pull from to get to the ooey, gooeyest, tenderest, scariest parts of yourself. So I apologize in advance because I'm probably going to be talking about myself a lot in this one. I'm a Type 7 and I have thoughts and feelings and opinions about what this means for me. So fair warning. Now type seven's soul child is a type five. I've been starting every episode off with the description from Sandra Maitri because in my opinion, she is the soul child queen and let's get into the one for type seven. Within every seemingly magnanimous and happy-go-lucky seven is a very miserly withholding and withdrawing soul child, a little five. She holds on to what she has tenaciously storing all of her candy and her toys away so that the other kids cannot get at them and take them from her. Driven by a fear of loss and an inner sense of scarcity, she feels empty inside and afraid that no more sustenance will come her way. For all of a seven's apparent gregariousness, optimism, and interest in life, this young place inside wants to hide from life and connect with it from a distance. This soul child can also be a nerdy little know-it-all who relies primarily on her intellect. It is likely that in a seven's childhood, her reclusive, self-enclosing, and solitary tendencies were not allowed, and that she got the message that she needed to be more externally oriented and buoyant. It is also likely that her mental skills got supported and developed at the expense of a more innate and intuitive understanding, turning her into a little egghead who felt disconnected from the other kids. A seven's sunniness became a way of masking and defending against her inner sense of scarcity and of not belonging, not feeling part of the group or family, and not fitting in. It is very difficult for a seven, with her need to be cheery, optimistic, and enthusiastic about things, to acknowledge this withdrawn, frightened, and reclusive young part of herself. What feels the most difficult is the sense of scarcity that drives her soul child, the parched inner emptiness and dryness which initially feels like life-threatening for a seven to make contact with. The more she does not judge and reject this part of herself, the more the avaricious and isolating tendencies will transform, especially as her sense of being an ultimately separate entity and thus one who is cut off from the rest of existence is challenged. Her geeky, nebbishy, and bookish qualities will transmute into true embodied knowing that of the diamond consciousness. As her sense of ultimate separation from being 
being and from others comes into question and her inner desert blooms with all of the flowers of essence, her soul will truly know directly. She will feel part of the whole, understanding experientially that separation is impossible and her okayness will be real rather than reactive. This is such a wild concept for me to hear and to process. If you've heard me talk about soul child before, you know that I was kind of like, yeah, this is real because this is how it feels to be me. It absolutely feels like I was like a little five and that I'm protecting her or masking her through my joy. And I even look back at my childhood and can see so clearly those patterns of isolating you know, I didn't have a bedroom most of my life growing up. I don't know if you all know this, like I slept in the living room. And so that sense of like, once I got something, I did not want to share it, right? Because it was like, I don't have much of my own. I don't have a space of my own. And I would go off into the woods with my books and I would read and I would write and I would kind of do my own thing. I would often run away <laughs> and I would draw maps to run away but I was the youngest girl with red hair and everyone wanted to talk to me. Everyone wanted to put me in the spotlight. I was like the center of attention, whether I liked it or not. It was like, everybody wants to play with you. Everyone wants to cuddle you. Everybody wants to talk to you. Every stranger at the grocery store wants to ask you about your hair. And it felt like I had no privacy. And I think the way that I responded to that was to lean in, you know, was to go, okay, like this is going to be me. I'm going to dance, <laughs> you know. Um, I've never really felt like I was performing, but I did think I was like, you know, no one wants to see me unhappy. Everybody needs me to be the light here. And I figured out how to do that, you know. I also think I figured out that if I was happy, people would leave me alone. <laughs> in other ways, if that makes sense. So I'm fascinated by this. So I definitely have some personal opinions and experiences about getting in touch with that five soul child because I have gotten so in touch with my five soul child that sometimes I convince myself I'm a five. Like I know I'm not, but sometimes I'm like, could I be though? <laughs> because I have just leaned in. Not as like, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. I think sometimes we can climb up that line or, or slide down that line, right? So sometimes for me, that move to five, it, it looks like complacency or it can look like ease. And that, there's a fine line between complacency and ease. And I'm always trying to find it. All of that to say, let's get into today's bucket list. So number one, my, my fellow sevens is to unplug for a day or a week or maybe a month, give yourself a chance to have an unagitated nervous system. Let yourself get bored. Let yourself feel like you feel your feelings because if you have nothing else to distract, they're going to come up for sure. Typically what I'll say to nines is to be alone out of your house. I'm going to say the opposite to us sevens, which is unplug and stay home because we're very good at coming up with an activity. You know, I don't think there's a lot of sevens who are necessarily like 
addicted to their phone or afraid of putting their phone down. I don't think that's as common. I'm sure it's possible, but it's not as common for seven. So we have a lot of activities, a lot of hobbies, a lot of interests. We can fill our time with or without screens. But I want to just challenge us to stay home for a day, a week, a month, whatever feels scarier to you. <laughs> like if you had told me before I met my husband that I would stay home all day, so like 2013, I would have told you you were nuts. At that point in my life, I was waking up, I was working. At this point, I was working like a full-time job at a coffee shop. And then I was going and working my freelance jobs after the coffee shop. I was going to a different coffee shop and working on my freelance work. And I was leaving the house early so that I could get to the coffee shop an hour before it was time for me to start opening because I wanted time to journal and write and read before I opened the coffee shop. So I'm talking like 5 a.m. And then I would open the coffee shop, I'd work a shift there, I'd go to another coffee shop, I'd work on all of my side hustles. Then I would have dinner out, I would have drinks out, and I would come home just in time to go to bed. And I lived that way for most of my life. Not exact routine, but waking up early morning, leaving the house, and not coming home until time to go to bed. And I liked it like that. I wouldn't have considered doing anything differently, but the life that I built with my husband invited in comfort at home. I felt like home was now a safe place, a beautiful place that I like to spend time. We created a home that we really love. And for the first time in my life, I can spend an entire day at home. It's crazy. And for me, a day feels normal now. That feels like, yeah, I do that almost every week. I'll spend an entire day at home. A week that would that would be my edge i think pre covid i mean during during the lockdown we spent almost the entire year at home we did you know we went out for different kinds of like safe activities or whatever we go walk around the lake but there's a lot of variance there but pretty much i was home for a year do i want to do that again not necessarily do i think it grew me exponentially as a person Absolutely. Do I think I got in touch and had to figure out how to love that little five in me? A hundred percent. I'm spending too much time on this one. Okay. So unplug for a day, a week, or a month. Number two, a no spend challenge. This is something that we are doing. I don't know if we're going to do no spend or low spend for the entire year of 2024. At least that's the goal. Um, just because we want to buy a house. So that's what we're working toward. Um, but I did this the first time in 2014 for the month of April, right? A month of February. That's irrelevant. I did it for the first time the month of February in like 2014. And it was a really good practice of just recognizing how much we consume, where we spend our money, recognizing that I'm allowed to tell myself no, these are things that we need as sevens is to curb our impulse, let ourselves experience limitations, putting off momentary freedom and satisfaction for long-term freedom and satisfaction. And fives, if we're thinking about getting in tune with that five in us, fives are really 
cheap. <laughs> I was trying to think of the right word. I was going to say stingy. I don't mean this in a, as a negative. I mean this as a positive from for, coming from a seven. Like they are not looking to spend all their money just to feel a, a way they want to feel, right? Like they are very conscious. They have the tendency to hoard their resources, hold on to them. That's what we're going to play with. We're going to play with the energy of security and the energy of I'm going to hold on to this so that I can build long-term abundance instead of choosing to feel abundant in the moment. Number three, go deep on one topic. So one of the things that sevens do when they access the five point is instead of spreading ourselves across a ton of topics and doing it a little, you know, kind of getting the tip of the iceberg and sharing that, go deeper. Don't speak on a topic that you're interested in for a while and see how deep you can go, how much you can learn before you share. Sevens, we have the tendency to be quick experts, right? We pick up something, we learn everything we need, we think we need to learn about it, and then we share. One of the greatest gifts the Enneagram has given me is infinite curiosity and infinite depth of constantly learning and deepening that information and recognizing when I don't know something and continuing the learning journey. So that is one of our steps of getting in touch with our inner five, the little part of us that just wanted to learn, wanted to be in their books, wanted to be left alone, to have like their little like peaceful bookish space to be in their own world. So give that to yourself by going really deep on a single topic. Number four, pick a focus for the season. So one of the things that fives are really good at is managing their energy levels, recognizing when they're being overextended, honoring that overextension and pulling back what they give allowing themselves space and time to rest and recoup before moving back in, before making new commitments. So that is what we are going to do. If That's what I want you to play with. Choose one area of focus for the season and say no to everything else. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number five, consider your boundaries. Fives are the epitome of boundaries in the Enneagram. They kind of, I think, are the boundary point. Um, so if we want to access our boundaries, accessing the part of us that's a five can be a place to practice our boundaries. So recognize the boundaries you need to set with yourself in terms of energy management, but also the boundaries you need to set with others in terms of, you know, what what is... A healthy level of privacy for me what is a healthy level of energy ex extension where can i let people in and where should i keep people out what are my standards for relationship and how do i hold true to those number six slow down your yes fives are incredibly slow to commit 
to something because they really think through, is this something I'm going to be able to handle? Is this something I can manage? Am I qualified for this? And these are things that sevens need to learn. Slow down our yes. You heard me talk about this in the notes from therapy episode like two weeks ago, just kind of talking about how that's something I'm learning right now. Sevens often get the rap of being quick quitters. And while that may be the case at times, I think what's more accurate is that we're too quick to say yes. And therefore we've committed way too fast because we're afraid of missing out and we have to back out because we say yes to an unsustainable amount of things. So that backing out can be a hard lesson. It's a hard move. But if you can prevent that by saying yes less, then you'll have to flake even less than that, right? Like there's, it's just going to lower the amount of times you have to cancel because you are really being conscious of saying yes to the things that matter, which in my opinion is easier when you have a single focus. So if you take the season to send a focus on one area of your life, then you'll know what your guess is and you'll know what your no is because you have a clear priority. All right, number seven. I love this one. What if you take yourself seriously? Because fives take themselves very seriously. They take the world very seriously. Not that they're not playful and light and fun, but like generally they take they take life seriously. They take the things they say, the actions they take, they take them, they take them seriously. Sevens we want to be taken seriously, but often we present ourselves in a way that prevents people from taking us seriously. And I think there's a myriad of reasons for this, but I want to just challenge us to consider before we take an action, before we commit to something, before we make a proclamation or agree to something that we go, it, would I do this? Would I say this? Would I feel this? Would I communicate this? If I took myself seriously, how would I change? What would I do differently in my life? How, who would I spend time with? What kind of activities would I participate in if I really took myself seriously? All right. Number eight is simply to simplify your life. One of the things that fives do and a lot of times, you know, I'm using five as our, our point of health, right? Or a point of safety and accessing that part of us that is a five. Fives can do these things to an extreme, right? So I'm not necessarily saying like fives are the example because we all have our, our low and high levels of health here. But one of the things that fives do really well is when they have a need and they need help, they will minimize their need in order to not have to ask for help. So I, that's why I'm kind of adding some qualifiers here, because if you're a five and you're listening, or if you have a five that you love and you're li they're listening and you're listening, I want to be clear that like five should be able to ask for help, right? They should be able to have need, but sevens, we can learn from this and we can tap into the part of us that was like a little kid five and go, how can I simplify my life so that I need less? Because one of the things that sevens can do is we want to live a rich and fulfilling life. 
We want to look back at our life and recognize that we left no stone unturned. We've done everything. We felt everything. We've experienced everything. And we are bougie. We want to feel good. We want to have it to the fullest. We don't want to sacrifice. And so when that is the case, we can find ourselves in situations where we're creating a lifestyle that requires our own exhaustion, right? Because if I need to, I'm making this up, if I need to be on a yacht every month, that's a different expense. <laughs> like it's a different level of expense than if I stay home and make my own coffee, right? And that's a different level of export of energy that may not always be worth it. So play with simplifying your life and seeing how that feels on your nervous system. What is extra here that could be taken out so that you can find peace and your nervous system can have like a, a freaking break. Number nine, let yourself need someone. One of the main things that Sandra Mindtree talked about in her description was the fact that we feel like isolated beings and I think this is definitely true for five and seven, both. Um, and finding this interdependence with our community, interdependence with society, interdependence with a partner, allow yourself to need someone, recognize a need and ask for help. This is almost the opposite advice that I give to twos, where I say, consider a need and try to meet that need for yourself. I want you to ask someone for help. I want you to be forcibly tied to another person and be dependent on them for getting your needs met. This sounds like torture to a lot of people, but I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to touch in with a part of you that is vulnerable, that is scared, that feels like no one can meet your needs. No one's going to take care of you. The only one that can take care of you is you, that you have to be constantly hypervigilant about getting your needs met. I want to unwind that a little bit, jump into the deep end of it and disrupt that pattern by making you a little bit dependent on somebody. I'm not saying that you need to like move in with your boyfriend that you met two months ago. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying like, Hey, who in your life are you closest to? And can you ask him for something today? Can you ask him for something next week too? Can you ask a couple of different people for something? Can you show the part of you that isn't just fully self-sufficient and like, okay, and show up in your not okayness for a minute? All right, finally, number 10, acknowledge your fear of scarcity and dive on in. And I think a lot of what we've talked about today, a lot of the bucket list items are going to force you to do that, right? Staying home, unplugging, doing a no spend, saying, you know, having a clear priority. So saying no to other things, asking for help. All of these things are things that are going to bring up that, that fear of scarcity. They're going to bring up that I need to make sure that I am not in need. That's going to arise naturally from doing these things, but it's, this is so helpful because I want you to listen to Friday's episode. I've already recorded it. So I know what you're going to get. And I just, it's, it really backs up what we're talking about here today, but jump headfirst into that feeling. I know it feels like you'll never get back out. I get it. I'm with you. And at the same time, the only way, the only way 
through that is to jump in, to let your let the feeling be there, to go through it, not to run away from it. And your confidence will grow, your safety will grow, your nervous system will grow in capacity because you are allowing more room for different sensations and you're expanding what you're able to hold. So a lot of these things, sevens, that can feel like limitation and restriction and limiting yourself, I'm saying limitation in two different ways, all of these things that can feel like limitations or restrictions now get to feel like expansions because what you're doing by choosing intentional limitation is that ultimately long-term you're actually expanding the capacity that you have for, for sensation, for experience, and just for life in general. So lean in, dive headfirst in, accept the sensations as they arise in your body. Everything will be okay. You're okay. Just feel it. Okay, friends, that's all for today. I will be back next week on Tuesday with type six. As always, it is an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I'll see you tomorrow for a Q&A episode. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.